this morning, Les Peters, who's the um, director of Impact Ministries, is here uh, to share the word with us. And uh, um, just a little bit about Les. He was a teacher for 20 years um, in Kamloops. And God called him and his family to Guatemala, and he obeyed. Fifteen years ago, he went, uh, took his whole family down there. And um, for those who've gone down there, you would have known how great things God has done because of his obedience. So I'm just going to call him up now, and he'll share with us. Thank you, Henry. Oh, i got to give you a hug. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Uh, the Guatemalan culture is a very warm culture, and uh, you got to hug everybody you meet, and you got to hug them when you say goodbye. And uh, uh, if you don't do that uh, in passing, uh, they wonder what's wrong. And so I wish I could come out there and just give you all a hug. Um, they say you need three hugs a day uh, to live a healthy life. Well, if you come to Guatemala, we will load you up for a year. And um, we'll, uh, very, very warm culture, and our children are very grateful every time uh, a group comes from North America. And so if your church is coming, well, well your church is coming, and uh, Dr. Henry, uh, we've, we've just grown to love Dr. Henry and uh, their whole family. And uh, uh, I met Dr. Henry a number of years ago on a medical mission, uh, and, uh, and then he brought down some of his sons, and then Christy came down. Then things started cooking. Wow. Uh, and we have just grown to love Christy dearly. And the, the people in Taktik have grown to love her dearly as well. So I want to say thank you, uh, first of all, to the Lou family publicly and to this church for, for giving us uh, uh, a person like Christy for these years. And we don't know how long she and Anjo will be with us. We hope it's for, for a long while. Uh, the kingdom, uh, working in the kingdom of God is an interesting adventure, and he seems to always call us to deeper and greater things. And uh, so just to give you a brief idea of what Christy's doing, uh, she certainly has been helping us a lot with short-term missions teams, but her primary task has been in the area of the medical clinic, and we have thousands of people who don't have access to any kind of medical care at all. And so she manages two full-time nurses that are working in our clinic. Uh, one of them is a former student of ours. And, uh, uh, and they are now just finishing their studies for nursing, um, both guys. Uh, and she also coordinates all the medical uh, uh, teams that come down and dental teams that come down. And she's our clinic administrator. And uh, people just love her. And uh, uh, I just want you to know that... Um, what happens in that clinic, she leads them in a devotional every morning. And they have a time of prayer. And they ask the Lord to open up opportunities to share the truth of Jesus to each person who comes with a physical need. And then they wait expectantly for those opportunities. And the Lord has a way of making those opportunities surface. And, uh, and then they pray with these people. Uh, and... Our, our primary care goes to our, uh, our, our students and to our staff. All of their families become uh, involved as well as they have needs. And so Christy's just been a real gem. And Angel as well. Uh, Angel came to our staff a number of years ago. 
and uh, those of you who were here at the wedding yesterday, you can see he's, a, he's kind of a live wire. He's a, he's a great guy, and we love him dearly. He leads in worship, and he, he takes the students into this place of refuge every morning. And they worship the Lord for about 40 minutes every morning. And they come from hor- horrible backgrounds, and I'll be sharing a little bit more about that later. But I just want to say thank you to you as a congregation, as a church, for supporting Christy. And pray, please pray, because it's, uh, it, it's not an easy task that she's involved in. And uh, um, uh, just uh, I, I'm very aware of the time here this morning. I, I want to share a, a, a couple truths from the Word of God this morning. Uh, now, if you're here, I just want to tell you, come back next week and you'll get some solid preaching, okay? Uh, today, I'm a visitor here as well, and I, I tend to be a little bit scatterbrained. I'm sure if I was a student in schools these days, they would have a, a, a label for me, because I'm just kind of all over the place, and it doesn't necessarily make for good preaching. So if you're visiting here, come back next week, okay? Uh, you, you won't get more of me. Uh, but what I'm going to do this morning is I would like to just give you a little bit of uh, background of, of where we're coming from so you know who it is that's uh, jabbering on in front of you here this morning. I'd like to share a passage of Scripture and share what I believe the Lord wants each of us to hear this morning. We didn't come here to be entertained. Uh, we didn't come here to... The worship team was fantastic and I love the songs you picked. I don't know where you are right now, but I love the songs you Thank you. They, they just fit so well. And you'll see that in a second with the, with the scripture that, that we're, we're, uh, I'm going to share. But I, I would love to just share a couple of the truths from this scripture that I really believe the Lord wants us to walk away from here within our hearts. It's important. Uh, we didn't just come to sing together or to the screens. We came to sing to the Lord. And we came to have our hearts open this morning to hear what God wants to speak to us from His Word. So, what He says in His Word than anything else that happens today. And so I want you to hear a few thoughts there, and I want to tell you a few stories. And if I can get through all of that in the next half hour, I've got about, uh, I've got six pages of notes here, and that would give me, in Guatemala, if you preach for less than an hour, they think, what's wrong with the pastor? Uh, he must, uh, what, something's wrong with his relationship with the Lord. So I'm, I've got an hour of material and I'm going to condense it down into uh, 20 or uh, 25 minutes here. Uh, so uh, let me first of all go to the piece that's most important. And that is the Word of God. And if you have your Bibles, I just want you to stick your finger there into Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to just look at that a little bit. And uh, if you're new to Christianity or just kind of checking things out and you're here this morning, some of this doesn't actually seem to make a lot of sense on the surface. But this passage was written to the Hebrews. And they understood it exactly. They got it. And uh, so some of it needs a little bit of an explanation. So uh, it's worth digging into. And I don't have time to go into all the details this morning. But this passage, it starts out with the word, therefore. So that means look back. And uh, Paul has, we, we expect Paul has been the one who wrote Hebrews. Uh, uh, he's, tell, he's told us what has happened. And it's important that we understand what has happened in the past. And then he talks about how we should live in the present. And he tells us to think about the future. And this passage ends with talking about the day of the Lord. 
Now, I'm a guest here, and talking about end times has all kinds of controversy around it. I I just assured your pastoral staff, I said, don't worry, I'm not going to get into anything weird this morning. But I want to tell you, there is a day coming. And here in the passage of Hebrews, it says there is a day. It's called the day of the Lord, and it's referred to many different uh, ways and many different times in Scripture. Now, uh, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture briefly, and then I want to tell a few stories. But I don't want us just to remember the past. God doesn't want us just to remember the past. He wants us to understand. He wants us to understand what the past means for us today. Like that's important. Um, I used I used to tell my students in social studies and history class. I said the one thing we learn from history is we never learn from history. Uh, but God wants us to un- not just know what is in the past. He wants us to understand what it means for us today. Uh, he doesn't want us just to live in the present. Now, um, okay, I can just feel myself going off on a rabbit trail. And I, and I have to be really careful, otherwise I won't get through this. But uh, I, I'm bouncing around between cultures here. And when I come, I mean, this is my... North America is my culture. I was born here in Saskatchewan. I was, uh, uh, grew up in a farming community. So North America is my culture, but I've been out of it for 15 years. And I just have these little glimpses where I come back. And I'm seeing something when I come back that startles me. And I was probably as involved as anybody else, but the thing that startles me is our culture in North America for the present. And self-indulgence. And self-gratification. And we want it nice. And we want it comfortable. It's like that has become our goal. It's not just about living for the present. Paul is not speaking to us just so that we would understand, uh, you know, or, or know how to live. He wants us to understand God's plan for me today. And he wants each of you to understand God's plan for you every day and today. And in this passage, it talks about the day of the Lord. He doesn't want us to be afraid of the future. Uh, He wants us to understand our destiny. So very quickly, going through this passage, it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, uh, and and therefore, uh, that refers back to our sin being paid for and having received righteousness and uh, God, Jesus making intercession for us. And, and he says, be strong, don't shrink back. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up. And this is where the picture starts turning back to what the Hebrews understand understood through the curtain that is his body, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. And I believe these are the words that the Lord wants to speak to each of us today. And I don't know, uh, there's many people sitting here, and many of us have come through very different life experiences. And some of you have gone through difficult challenges in the last six months, last year, stresses. Uh, situations that perhaps you have shared with somebody, but situations perhaps that are very personal and very difficult for you to manage. And God says, draw near. Today, He wants you to draw near with a sincere heart and with full assurance. And that assurance means that 
we have the assurance that uh, Paul speaks of in, in chapter 11, that he rewards those who seek him. And if you hear anything this morning, I want you to hear these words from Scripture. Say, let us draw near to God. And he is one who rewards those who seek him. And he will give us understanding of how we are to live today. Uh, And it ends this passage. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We need each other. But encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So there is a day. And uh, this day was announced in the Old Testament uh, by many of the prophets. And it's a, a, a decisive intervention in history. And there is a judgment of sin. Now, this is not me saying this. This is what Scripture says. There will be a judgment of sin. And that should call, cause all of us to take a step and reconsider. And recognize the sin in our own lives and that there is a judgment of sin. Take a step back and reconsider what it is actually Jesus did on the cross. He did it for you and for me. So that that judgment could be lifted off of us. But the judgment was severe. It was severe. And if we don't come under that grace, that judgment will be severe on the day. Uh, It speaks of cataclysmic things and diseases and pestilences and supernatural, uh, 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 supernatural events that will unfold. Calamities and disease. But then, here's the beautiful part. Here's the beautiful part. On the day of the Lord, it will be a day of deliverance, of peace and reconciliation for those who have encountered the grace of Jesus. Um, I was a little disturbed this week. I read something uh, about an interview. Now, uh, Now, I've never been a fan of this young man. Uh, right from the beginning days. But this young man who has had the ear of many of the younger generation, we have a lot of the younger generation coming our way, uh, and I see their influence, uh, how they're influenced by the media. And so this young man uh, was apparently interviewed. Uh, I didn't watch the interview. I don't follow Justin Bieber at all. Uh, I just know that he gets himself into a lot of trouble. But in this interview, he stated that he would like to live a life following Jesus. And uh, Dr. Michael Brown responded with an open letter to him uh, saying, this is a remarkable statement. And, uh, uh, and you're saying, uh, this is how he begins, he says, these are powerful words, and I believe you sincerely meant it. I'm just wondering, though, if you understand what it really means to live like Jesus and to follow Him. There is this cultural understanding, and he goes on. It's an interesting article. I got a copy of it here. And it's an interesting article. And uh, uh, and Dr. Brown is writing an incredible response. 
saying we can't paint over all these aspects of who God is and just pick and choose the one or two things that we like and hold on to them and have it kind of as a comforter around us. That's not based on truth. We need to read Scripture in its entirety. And when we talk about the day of the Lord, there is a judgment for sin coming, but praise God, there is a provision in Malachi, and you'll see in the in the in the uh, in the uh, bulletin, there's some comments there. In Malachi, it talks about um, unbearable purging and judgment, but then it says at the same time there will be healing and joy. In Joel, it talks about locusts, locusts invading the land, and it goes quite at length talking about the final judgment. And then in uh, chapter two, verse thirty-two, listen to what it says. It says. All that call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just an amazing contrast. Zephaniah pronounces judgment on all the nations. And this is chapter 1, verse 14 to 18. And then in chapter 3, 17 comes this promise. Listen to it. That the Lord will quiet them with His love and rejoice over them with singing. This, this incredible contrast between the judgment of God and how He deals with those who have recognized their sin and recognized the truth of what Jesus did and taken that gift of salvation and applied it into their lives. Dr. Brown, when he's talking to Justin Bieber, he says, he says it means that the old Justin Bieber dies. He goes on to make some other pretty straight statements. Uh, and I don't have time to go into them now. But it happens because Christ transforms us from the inside. And going back to where we began, we said, let us draw near to God. Let's receive that gift that He has for us. Uh, uh, thank you for reading the passage of Scripture about... Uh, 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 about uh, harvest, we will sow what we reap, and about this delayed harvest that will come. I share all of these things about the day of the Lord uh, to get an understanding of what is happening today. And I would like to just take a few moments just to share with you a few observations of what God is doing in Guatemala and share a few observations with what God is doing here in our Canadian culture. Uh, here's the underlying truth from Galatians. We always reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. Now, Jesus intervenes. And we need to draw near to that intervention. Otherwise, we will reap what we sow. We always reap later. The harvest comes later. And we always reap much more than we sow. Now, I come from Saskatchewan. They put one kernel of wheat in the ground. They want a whole head of wheat from that one kernel. We always reap more than we sow. In Guatemala, they put one kernel of corn in the ground. They want those cobs full. We always reap more than what we sow. And thinking about the day of the Lord, this is amazing. Because we reap righteousness and grace and forgiveness. It abounds over us when we draw near to God. 
But the thing that we need to be mindful of is that there is a world of people who do not know that truth. Who do not know that truth. Billy Graham is a little bit of a hero of mine. Uh, he's writing another book. Uh, absolutely amazing. This man is just amazing. Uh, this is what Billy Graham said. Um, he said, The more I listen to the news of what is going on in the world and in the church, there is great confusion about the end times. Some people wonder how to get to heaven. Others don't seem to care if they wind up in hell. God has a lot to say about this. And He has not kept His promises hidden. I love that man. Uh, he is an inspiration to me. And uh, uh, probably one of the greatest influences in the last 50 years in our North American culture for Christ. And I wonder who will rise to take His place. I wonder how we will respond. In the absence of one strong voice, I believe the Lord is looking for many strong voices. And if you and I choose to draw near to God, we will have confidence and we will be able to speak clearly. Okay, reaping and sowing. Uh, let me talk with you very quickly about what Guatemala has been sowing. Now, uh, when we moved to Guatemala, I first went into Guatemala 25 years ago, and my wife and I have been living there for 15 years now. Uh, we really feel like it's home in many respects. Uh, she is there right now. We have six children, and uh, three of them live in Guatemala, and three of them live here in uh, Canada. Um, uh, we, only two of the children are biological children. The other four are adopted uh, uh, our oldest two are biological. One is here in Canada and one is in Guatemala. Uh, then we adopted three babies from Haiti. And um, uh, they're all grown up now. They're in their mid-twenties. And uh, two of them live here in uh, British Columbia and one of them is in Guatemala with us. And then seven years ago, uh, uh, an unexpected thing happened and uh, uh, a, a, little, a little box showed up with a brand newborn baby in it with a note saying, uh, now, it, it was pretty obvious our Haitian children were not our biological children, okay? They're black, okay? Um, and uh, uh, so somebody had taken notice of this and wrote this little note and said, I see you raised some children that weren't yours. Uh, you know, you just took them in and you raised them. And so I'm sorry, and she wrote this big long letter of apology, and she asked Rita to raise this little boy. And uh, so there was a little abandoned baby uh, there on our doorstep. And uh, seven years later, uh, we've actually fully adopted, and that's a story, but I can't get into because the time is running. I'd love to tell you the story because uh, uh, it really put me into some turmoil. I mean, I've got five grandkids older than him. And uh, I thought we had gone through the emptiness syndrome. And actually, uh, I shouldn't say this too loud. The, the emptiness syndrome wasn't too bad after all those years. You know? uh, uh, I love kids dearly, but I, I love them out there. It's great. Uh, and, and I jokingly had said, I wouldn't sell any one of my kids for a million dollars, but I wouldn't pay a nickel for another one. Uh, uh, but here we got another one. And... Uh, I wouldn't sell them for a million dollars. Now, now uh, our family is kind of odd because we're three different cultures and my daughter is married to Guatemalan uh, uh, just like Christy did and that creates all kind of, we've got grandkids from them and it's just wonderful. So we're kind of this mixed family. Uh, 
And uh, um, all of a sudden, one day, like I'm, I'm turning 60, if you're wondering, uh, uh, and uh, I have a seven-year-old, and I, I, I'm still a Canadian citizen, um, so that means I'm going to get child tax credit and old age pension at the same time. <laughs> So, uh, okay, fine. Uh, we, we live in Guatemala. We've been there for 15 years. We have seen some horrific things in Guatemala. This baby isn't the only baby that's been abandoned. UNICEF says there are 370,000 babies that are, are children that are orphans in the country of Guatemala. The country has a history that goes back thousands of years of uh, polytheism. Uh, and, and, and this whole demonic witchcraft type of ambience in their spiritual realm. And the people are afraid of the spirits. Uh, these, these spirits have held the people in bondage. And just as the Holy Spirit of God is real, the demonic realm is real as well. Now, I grew up in a Mennonite background, and I didn't see much op- open demonic activity. In Guatemala, it was in our face. Our students and our staff suffer from open demonic manifestations that are absolutely horrifying. And the enemy has the people oppressed with fear. And uh, the people were worshipping all the spirits for thousands of years. And as a result, the people are not living in freedom. They're living in a great darkness. Uh, the truth of Jesus uh, had been blocked out by all of this darkness. And, and uh, it's a country full of violence. Uh, 36 years of civil war. And I shouldn't say this because I want you to come on a, <laughs> a short-term mission, but uh, that, that violence is still out there, even though the civil war has ended. We're, we're safe. When you're, when you're in the hands of God, you're safe. That's the safest place to be. Safer than being in Oregon. This last week. Um... And the hit, you know, there's this violence and this corruption and families are broken and, and disintegrated. And, and, and then the enemy comes and he pours alcohol into the situation and it becomes abusive and there's abuse. And, and people everywhere are walking around wounded and there's poverty. Uh, 90% of the resources in the country are owned by less than 5% of the people. So there's this huge disparity between the pocket of wealthy people who are very powerful and the millions of people who just try to survive every day. And the levels of malnutrition in the country, if you just Google this, malnutrition and stunting, Guatemala has the highest level of stunted growth as a result of malnutrition in the Western Hemisphere and is one of eight countries in the whole world, the eight worst countries, with stunted growth because of malnutrition. Something's wrong. And I would like to present to you that the truth of Scripture is being lived out in Guatemala because the Bible says you reap what you sow. And this is the horrible thing about the way the enemy works. He, he causes you to step off the path of righteousness knowing that you will reap what you sow. And he takes delight in that because he comes, the Bible says, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The corruption levels in Guatemala are unbelievable. 
We're in the middle of elections as well in Guatemala right now. But last month, the vice president was caught with her uh, hand in the cookie jar. She stole millions out of the health care system. They caught her before she, was, she escaped to Panama. Uh, they asked for the president to step down, and he publicly declared, and he said, but th- that was her, that wasn't me. A week later, they had evidence for him, and he had to step down too. Millions. And people are going without health care, without medication. They're dying because they're missing simple medications that a few dollars would give to them and save their lives, and that Christie is now dispensing in the clinic, thanks to offerings from North America. Lives are being saved with just a simple antibiotic. Because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he does it on a personal level. He does it in a family level. And he does it at a national level. And he has had his way for a long time in Guatemala. 36 years of civil war. 250,000 people were killed or massacred by the armies during that time. There's mass graves right around Taktik in our area that, uh, where whole communities were put into the ground. Suffering. What does suffering do? Well, suffering brings an awareness of need. The people in Guatemala are aware of their needs. And if you look in the Old Testament, you see those same cycles happening with the nation of Israel, don't you? Like they would, they would begin worshipping these gods up on the high places. We have our high places too. When you come, I will take you to a high place. We don't need to be afraid because the blood of Jesus covers us. And when we go there, Jesus' power comes with us. We need to have that confidence. And if you are sensitive in the spiritual realm... Uh, we're all different kinds of personalities. And some are very analytical, and, but some are very sensitive to spiritual things. And if you're sensitive to spiritual things, you will be very aware that when I take you to those places, the enemy flees. It's a rush. Like, it is a rush. Now, I, I, I don't want you to think that, that I'm being irreverent here, but, but it's not me. It's God's Spirit in me. It's not you. It's God's Spirit in you. I have a past. That doesn't look very good. So do you. I have weaknesses. And so do you. I failed. I have actually heard God speak to me and I did the other thing. And yet, when I come to Him and ask for His forgiveness, and step into all that He has done for me. He receives me like a prodigal. And He fills me with His Spirit. And in spite of who I was, in spite of what I've done, in spite of my insecurities when I compare myself with other people, His Spirit comes inside of me and we go to these places and you can feel the spirits of darkness move back. I invite you to be a part of that process. It liberated me because you know what? Those same spirits are at work here. 
What's happened in Canada? We're not suffering from hunger. Not to, I mean, there is an element of society here as well. But let me backtrack and go to the history of Canada. What's happened in Canada? Well, many of our forefathers came to this nation because they were seeking religious freedom. Many of our forefathers, no matter what nationality, no matter what ethnic group, we came here because there were some horrific things happening back there. And opportunities were limited. In my case, there was persecution happening. My family uh, had... Uh, 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 on both my mother's side and my uh, my wife's side and uh, my side my side of the family uh, had had established uh, huge agricultural operations in a country that had become communist, and suddenly all of that was taken away and people were being sent off to Siberia. Lives were being taken. The whole the whole thing got turned upside down, and they went from having everything that they had worked for for five generations to having nothing. And they came here saying, we need to have freedom to worship the God that we know to be true. And so, in our nation's capital, if you were to go to our nation's capital today, you would see on the walls of the parliament building scripture written there. That is how our country began. On Judeo-Biblical Christian principles. Let me ask you a question. If for some reason those parliament buildings were knocked down today and they had to be rebuilt, would there be scripture on the walls today? Well, if there is, there would be a quote from John Lennon and a quote from this and a quote from that. And scripture would be put at the same level as every other piece of human understanding and it wouldn't be preeminent. But uh, the history of our nation is it was built on Judeo-Christian principles. A day is coming. A day is coming. And there will be judgment over sin. God says, draw near. Draw near. Our forefathers drew near. Many of our forefathers drew near to God in the time of tribulation, in the time of difficulty, in the time of challenge. Um, just a quick story of how horrific things uh are in the village of Taktik or have been, and then I need to close very quickly here. Uh, a young man, uh, he, he was, he's, he's a young man now, and is, well, actually approaching middle age now. Uh, he he uh, was a little boy in Taktik, and um, uh, he had several brothers and sisters, and his father uh, was drinking heavily, and when he would come home, um, uh, the money had all been consumed on alcohol, and the mother of these children, uh, her name is Carmela, said, you know, I need, I need some food for these kids. And finally, the man got fed up with that. He says, you're, all you ever do is nag, 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 nag. So he left the family, deserted the family, and went up the street around the corner and got another woman about 15 years younger. And that's where he chose to live. And uh, one day the lights went on in this man's mind, and he said, that's my house down there. I should bring my new woman into this house and get all of them out of there. Now, in Guatemala, the legal system isn't very fair, and the person who leaves is the person who forfeits their right to the property. And he had left, so he thought, I better undo this thing. So he went back in there, and every night he would come back, and in his drunken state, he would beat Carmela and the children. 
And Edgar grew up in that ambience. He said, I watched my mother on the floor being kicked and her ribs being broken. I saw her teeth being knocked out. I saw her nose being broken. And he was about six or seven years of age at the time. And he said, he said, I would get myself between my mom and my drunken dad. And then his violence would just pour out on all the kids. And this little boy of six years old, he said, when I grow up, I will get stronger. And when my dad gets older, he will get weaker. And there will be a day of reckoning for him. Edgar told me, he said, for every time I had decided, in his, in his little heart of a six, seven-year-old boy, he said, I decided, I decided that every time he kicked my mother, I would kick him three times. And he said, I didn't care. I knew I would probably end up in jail. It didn't matter. What do you do with a situation like that? What do you do with a situation like that? How do you come back afterwards and fix something like that? A a whole family that's broken. Brokenness reveals our need. And if we take our need to Jesus, amazing things happen. He says, draw near to me. Draw near to me. That's the invitation to you and I this morning. And I trust we're not living in that degree of brokenness. I doubt any of us are. Our brokenness looks different. We have brokenness. It's just behind a different mask here in Canada. We used to be primarily an evangelical Protestant nation, at least in the West. If you you identify Christians as being actively involved in their Protestant evangelical church, people who check off, I am actively involved in a Protestant evangelical church. Do you know what the percentage is in Western Canada? It's 2%. What has happened? Now, I don't say this to discourage you. I say this to stir you up. To say, now is the time to draw near to God. A day of judgment is coming. We should not be surprised when that day of judgment comes. I've got some statistics here about the seven-year economic cycles. I won't bore you with all that stuff. Things are not looking good from the worldly perspective. But I want, to know, I want you to let, let you know that God is true to His Word and the day is coming. And for us, it will be a day of peace and reconciliation. And now is the time for us to draw near to God and invite others into that. It's not only now is the time. It's urgent, folks. And if you and I, who are sitting in a church on a Sunday morning, if we don't draw near to God, who will? If we will not be the spokesman for the truth of what Jesus has done for us, who will do it? Very rarely do people walk into a church on a Sunday saying, I have a need, I'm going to go to church to find out what they might have to say. But every one of us has a whole realm of people around us. And will we be silent or will we be confident? If we have drawn near to God, We will be confident. Very quickly, let me tell you what's happened in Guatemala. Edgar is now a grown man. He has come through our schools. 
He has graduated. He has got an engineering degree. This month, he is now in charge. He's with our ministry. And about uh, 40% of our staff are former graduates from our own programs. Uh, we have 10 schools, and uh, I, I don't have time to go into all of that. Come and see it. You're invited to come and see. But uh, let me tell you about Edgar. He grew up, he encountered Jesus. He came into our school, and he found Jesus. And I remember when he forgave his father. His life was trans. I knew that Jesus had moved into him. Because humanly, it's impossible to for-, for a little guy to forgive all of that, all those memories. What memories do you have? It's humanly impossible to erase them. But when we draw near to God, He ministers to them and He helps us with them. Edgar completed an engineering degree, an agricultural engineering degree, and he's now in charge of, uh, we, we, have, we have this gift of this greenhouse that came from uh, the Netherlands. It's just an amazing thing. It's got the highest technology of any greenhouse in the country. The universities from the country bring their students to us to see what a greenhouse like this looks like because they don't have one. And uh, this week, this week, Edgar, with his staff and our students, he's creating employment for our students and creating employment for fathers, they are harvesting 200,000 pounds of tomatoes. And he says, he says, we have doubled production on our property. And he says, I give God the glory for that. And he says, Lord willing, we're going to triple production next year. And this is part of the sustainable. Instead of taking a, a young man who was intent on getting revenge... What has God done? He's taken this young man and turned him into... He says, I want to do for others what was done for me. He's on our orphanage committee. He says, we need to do something for these orphans, these kids that are abandoned. Life transformation. Right now, Guatemala is between 35... If you use that same measurement, saying actively involved in an evangelical Protestant church, you know where Guatemala is at now? Between 35 and 40%. The church is mushrooming because people see others who have drawn near to God like Edgar and being changed, and they say, I need that. I want to tell you, we're living in a culture that needs that. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. The reward will come. You will reap what you sow. The harvest comes later. Don't be discouraged. If you start drawing near to God, I talked to one young man. He said, part of my process of drawing near to God was memorizing Scripture. He said, the more Scripture I memorized, the more nightmares I had. Okay, can you figure this out? He says, I couldn't sleep. What should I do? He decided to draw near to God. And he said he doubled his scripture memorization. The nightmares left and God's power came. The harvest comes later. Is there opposition? Yes, there is opposition. I want to tell you, if you feel you are being opposed in your workplace, in your family, misunderstood, misrepresented, this, this brand of lukewarm, mediocre Christianity is being placed on you and they're judging you as being hypocritical. You are not alone. But praise God, His Spirit is in us as we draw near to Him and receive His grace and receive His mercy. It doesn't happen automatically. 
This morning, God is asking you to take some steps. I don't know what they are. Go and ask forgiveness of someone. Begin reading your Bible. Go to your pastor for counsel. Confess something that's been hounding you for years. I don't know what it is that God is asking you. But if you are hearing His voice and sensitive to His Spirit, and you obey, there will be a harvest. Can I ask you to stand for prayer? I'd like to pray with you. I've gone over time. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for each one of my brothers and sisters here in this place. Thank you, Father, that we are your children and we are your prodigals. Lord, you don't hold our past against us when we come to you and confess. Thank you, Lord. We don't deserve this mercy. We don't deserve these gifts that you give to us. We don't deserve to have your Spirit living in us. And Father, yet that's what you give us. You are a good God. You are a good Father. You receive the prodigal. And then you choose to use us. I pray in the name of Jesus that as you have used Edgar, you would use us for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.